This is the Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for the Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try to unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Alan from Pixel Partners, and here is my co-host, as always, Greg from Studio One Design. How are you, buddy? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Greg? <laughs> We're always awesome on this show, aren't we? Why? Because it's exciting to be here. I love it. I love it. You know, it's, it's just so stimulating to actually get to share some of the knowledge that we have with the big wide world out there. And listener, I hope you're enjoying it. Make sure you give us some feedback and make sure you let us know if there's any topics you'd like us to have on the show. Absolutely, man. So this is part two, isn't it? Of um... Tools. Look, you know what? We got really carried away on the last episode. We just, we didn't realize how many fun, exciting, interesting, helpful tools we actually have in our combined toolbox. So we've split it into two. Today is probably slightly more geared at the graphic designer. So some of these tools are less relevant to business owners, but the philosophy behind what we're going to talk about is definitely applicable. So we'll, we'll make a note of that as we as we go through it. Absolutely. But I'm sure some business owners will get some, some great tips from what we're about to share. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, we're going to talk specifically about some software that is design-related, but you can apply the same principles to any of the any of the softwares. So, um, mate, what have you been up to this week? This, this week, um, concentrating on content creation, like blogging. Obviously, we do this podcast, which is, you know, we're releasing roughly one per week. Trying to, you know, crank up my, my content in the form of blogs as well. So, I've got a content writer actually so yeah that's something that I'm, I'm concentrating on and yeah hopefully you know the, the purpose of it is so that we can uh, attract more people through google uh, organic search okay so for, for the for the business owners out there that are going blow what <laughs> so what you're basically doing blogging is just the exercise of writing regular written articles to put up on your website. Yeah, right? anything that's relevant and helpful to our, you know, target audience that are looking for website design essentially. So give me a, an example of a couple that you you've done. Yeah, well we we haven't well we if you go to our website currently we we have infographics on there. Um, and it might be, you know, how to design a website and we'll go through all the steps that, that we have in there in the form of an infographic. But what I've, what we're doing now is as well as infographics, we're doing written content as well, you know, like writing out the, just the benefits of, you know, as opposed to being an infographic. And this way, if it's written, then Google will pick up the, uh, the copy. That's, that's cool. So, and, and look, you know, it's a bit of that sort of, uh, 70, 20, 10 rule, you know, people, learn information in different ways some people learn visually some people learn by hearing the information other people learn by reading it so you, you're Absolutely. covering all your bases that's right and yeah we're trying to mix up the medium from video to no audio at this point but obviously we're doing this podcast well, you've got so. the podcast so there's your <laughs> yeah audio. but that's not on my blog oh, but true. um but yeah you know we could like have recorded some webinars and we we're chopping that up as well into valuable shorter chunks and we're trying to keep them like a blog post to consume about five to seven minutes of somebody's time because any longer and there's so much noise out there you don't want to you know take too much of people's time that's nice man respect your clients time respect your prospects time absolutely so what have you been up to buddy uh mate i've been having a little bit of fun 
with split testing, actually, and then just trialing new ideas. So I have a client, not so much for Pixel Partners, but for the consulting work that I do, mm-hmm. um, that runs live events. Now, they're free live events. So the challenge with running a free event, and it's a no-pitch event, it is a genuine, you know, come in and we will deliver high-quality educational content because in their market, they need their market to be better educated to be, to be able to make better choices, all right? Um, and if they make better choices, they're highly likely to buy the product that they offer, but they don't shove that product down their throat at the event. And the challenge is always at a free event is getting people to actually show up. You know, heaps of people say, yes, I'll come. But because there's no financial commitment, you can get, I mean, look, other people may shoot me down for this statement, but if you can get 30 to 50% show up rate for a free event, you're doing well to pretty well. Yeah, 30% is average. Yeah, so, and we've been getting 40, 45% show up. That's excellent. But we changed one element. It was just the way we invited the people to the event. So rather than saying, uh, you are invited to XYZ event on this date, what we've actually done is we've said, as a member of this service, we have allocated your business four tickets. Ah, nice. Right, so it's a ticket allocation, and underneath it, it says you must confirm your allocation, otherwise we're going to give it to another business owner in your area. Clever, right? Yeah. And then once they and we've look, you know, with the invitations, once people took up the invitations, we would say, "Here's your formal invite to the event." Right. So yep, this yep. time around, we've said, "Here's your ticket allocation." Once they verify their ticket allocation, we send them a t- ticket confirmation that they have to print and bring with them on the night, and it has had a huge impact. I mean, we literally got thirty percent more people to this last event, which was which was great. You know, so it's just a, a case in point. Don't make any assumptions. Think about other industries. I mean, the reason we came up with that was because we were thinking about, well, how does Ticket Tech do it? for a, a concert or how would, you know, how would you go through the process of getting tickets to a sports game, you know? Mm-hmm. You go, you confirm your tickets and your seating and then you get sent a ticket confirmation. So, yeah. yeah. So you copied that. That's awesome, man. And it worked well? The event went well? Oh, the event was awesome. I mean, the, yeah. the guy who speaks is very, very knowledgeable and he engages this market uh, at a level that's very personal, so... Definitely good. Definitely cool, a hit. All right, so, good to hear. Look, let's get into our tools. Yeah, absolutely. What's your first one? Okay, I'm going to talk stock images. Mm-hmm. Right, and I know that we've spoken before about having custom images, but a good quality stock image library is a great source for inspiration. It's a good starting point for custom images. I mean, you don't have to just grab a stock image off a, off a stock library and use it as is. You can grab two, three, four, five stock images and bring them together to make something that is unique. Yep. The problem is, is that most, from the business owner's side, most business owners just use Google Image Search, right? And that is wrong. just wrong. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot of it's not high res. If, I mean, I know you do websites, but it's nice to have the high res because if they want to translate that into printed material, they have the option to. But also you don't have the rights to use Google Image. Well, interesting. Here's a great hack for you, right? And, and this is something that I learned uh, recently is if you go to images.google, let me just confirm that, images.google. The images tab up the top of Google, right? Uh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Uh, they actually have a uh, – if you go into the advanced search, mm-hmm. right, or you search for a term, 
let's say, I don't know, what's something that we're, we're looking for? We're looking for uh, call centre girls, right? Uh, not not call girls, <laughs> call, call centre girls, right? Yep. And you go into the search tools, you've actually got a, ta- a drop-down tab for usage rights. Ah, I didn't know that. That's yeah, good. that's very cool. And I actually mm. don't know if that's always been around or not, but there's one that says labelled for reuse. Yep. Right, or you've got labelled for reuse with modification, labelled for non-commercial reuse for modification, labelled for non-commercial reuse. So you can click labelled for reuse, then you can click the size and ask for uh, larger than X size, and all of a sudden you've actually got images that you are allowed to use on your own website. Well, how about that? Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll have to look into that one for sure. But still get a stock library, you know. Yeah. One of the good ones, Fotolia, iStock. Shutterstock. Shutterstock. Uh, Getty. Yeah, Getty Image. Any of those really big high quality. A lot of business owners balk when they see the cost of these to buy the images or coordinate with your designer. Like designers are definitely going to have a subscription somewhere. Yeah, we offer our clients, if they want extra images, just let us know. Have a look on, on, you know, the service we use and send us some links and... Because we get like 25 a day, if we've got some spare, we'll give it to the clients for free. Oh, no yeah. that's nice. Well, we, yeah. we, I mean, we charge a moderate rate because our subscription is slightly different. We pay for a certain amount of images per month, so we can very easily divide our subscription by the, the cost. And then, you know, we can say to our clients, look, you know, we'll include X number of images. If you want more, go to our, go to Fotolia, find the images that you like. And send them to us and, and, you know, we can bill you for it. Mm-hmm. And should you have just one stock library or multiple? Look, I'm a big fan of having more than one stock library. I find that um, you get a different feel. So I like having a high-level stock library and a low-level stock library. And the low-level stock library, often the images look a lot more raw. So they're good for social media style imagery. They don't have, you know, the, the white background, highly posed, well-lit stock image that most people think of. We we use uh, death to stock. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's so cool. It's really alternative. The images are uh, the opposite to what you just, just described, and they're really cool images. Yeah, there so. are actually a few uh, services out there like Death to Stock where, you know, photographers are putting up unbelievably great images yeah. free for you to use, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have free stuff on there as well. Like, you know, encourage everybody to sign up for their free stuff. But you can also, um, you know, buy packages as well. Yeah. Look, my other stock my other stock library tip is if you're a designer or a business owner, skip through the first five pages of the, of the search. Yep, yep. I think you've mentioned that before. Yeah, because everybody picks the first couple that they can see and there's nothing worse. And the other thing too is download the stock image and then drag it into Google Images, Yeah. right, because then you'll see who else is using it. If you've got 500 other businesses in your area that are using that same stock image, don't use that one. Exactly. Cool, man. Yeah. What's next? What do, what do you got? Well, I mean, you know, it's sort of on the same sort of um, vibe. We're talking reference sites in general. So, obviously, you know, we've talked about using Pinterest before. Another one that we use is Awards. It's a com. 
which you can just see, you know, what other designers are, are producing and it's just, it's always up to date and you can just keep up with current trends if you follow sites like that. Yeah, The Cool Hunter is another one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been watching that for years. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. absolutely. So, and, and I guess for designers, it's about keeping up with trends and styles. Mm-hmm. For business owners, it's about, you know, find somewhere where you really like what other businesses are doing. You know, and, and if you find something, please take a screenshot. Don't just bookmark it because you don't know if that web page is going to be there in a month or two months' time when you want to reference it. Um, you've got a cool tool for screenshotting. I do, mate. Jeez. This tool is incredible. So obviously, you know, with a Mac or a PC, there's different functions you can press to do a, just a standard screenshot of what you see. But as you know, websites are big, long, scrolling things these days and to screenshot each piece and then maybe stitch it together can be a pain in the backside. So um, we use Google Chrome and there's a plugin for Google Chrome called Awesome Screenshot and it will literally grab the entire page in one JPEG. Oh, that is very cool. Yeah. There's probably other tools similar, but that's one we use and it's yeah. seamless. It's great. Well, you know what? Google Chrome is actually a good tool in itself. Now that, now that you mention it, because it does have all those plugins, it's a great browser. Some people might contradict me on that one but I, I think it works well it integrates well with gmail um, i find there are a lot of apps that tie into other bits of software that i use so it, it's a very flexible tool so business owners if you're still on the default internet explorer that your uh, your computer came with definitely download google chrome exactly yeah for pc or mac it's a much faster browser too yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. What do you got? Uh, look, for ideas, for concept work, right? I love – it's an app called Paper by 53 on the iPad, right? And it emulates writing, right? But the cool thing about it is it's very realistic and it's very smooth. So, you know, often drawing apps on the iPad are very uh, jaggy when you're using your yeah, finger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, you know, is is far more fluid. The app is free. You just get one pencil with it. There's a suite of about five or six pencils, pens We're talking brushes. digital pencils. Yeah, digital That's pencils, right, yeah. digital brushes. And so you use your finger to illustrate. Yes. I mean, yeah. you can use a stylus. We, we often use a stylus. But it, it allows you to just sketch ideas. And the pencil acts like a pencil. The paintbrush acts like a paintbrush. Pressure sensitive? Pressure and speed sensitive more so. So how fast you move the brush across the screen emulates if you did that on a piece of paper. But, you know, it's, it's really cool. All our design team have to sketch a concept before they go onto the computer, right? Now, a lot of them don't use the iPad. They just use traditional paper and pencils and textures. My point is, if you're a designer, it's a really, you know, if you're on the fly, it's a very cool way just to sketch up a bunch of ideas. It's a very nice, intuitive app. You can have multiple notebooks. You can email JPEGs of those to yourself uh, or to your client. But even if you're a business owner, you know, think about sketching out ideas before the designer starts. And your ideas, from a design point of view, may be completely wrong, right? But by doing a brain dump you at least get those core elements that you have in your mind over to the designer and you can align your expectations. And your designer may come back and go, look, that's not going to work, but I can see where you're going Mm. and I can do it better. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. But just make it a rough sketch. Yeah, exactly. Don't polish it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, just a really, really rough sketch, you know, a wireframe as such. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. Cool. All right, so I've got – I want to dig into the Adobe suite, the creative suite, you know, because – 
obviously keeps getting updated automatically if you've got CC. And if you don't have CC, you should upgrade because you know, I think we mentioned that in the last episode. The, the difference is incredible and uh, it's well worth it. But look, uh, and it's probably better value for money too. But I think also too, and correct, I may be wrong, but when they originally launched CC, they made a commitment that if you were on subscription, you would actually get access to tools that you couldn't get on the standard version. Mm, probably. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the the example at the time was Adobe Illustrator, CS6 or whatever it was at the time, you couldn't package Illustrator file, right? But on the CC suite, you can. Right, yeah. So that's a pretty handy thing. Yeah, fantastic. And look, it's the way you use the tools as well. You can use a tool, you know, somebody that's probably got a year experience wouldn't use it anywhere nearly the same as somebody that's got 10 years experience. And, um, you know, so we're just going to talk about a few shortcuts to help some of the designers if you don't already know these things. For instance, if you're doing some repeatable action over and over again, you can set up an action that will, you can basically press record on this action, do all the moves that you're going to do, and then stop recording. And then every time you want to do that set of action again, you just set a, run a batch on, on say, you know, a whole folder of files and it'll run through that series of actions. Yeah, absolutely. Like watermarking images. Yeah, exactly. That's how we use it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, or just resizing. Watermarking, resizing, changing color space. That's a common one. You know, CMYK images that you need to use online for RGB or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Definitely. And shortcuts. You know, go in, learn the shortcuts you use all the time, like the keyboard shortcuts you use all the time, and you can actually build your own shortcuts. You can indeed. Yeah. So we encourage that. And we have a set of shortcuts that, you know, we, or that I set up for, for my, for my personal use, but now I've, you know, encouraged our designers to use the same sort of shortcut, set of shortcuts. That way it's easier if uh, we're given instructions to, you know, for people to understand and do things the quickest way possible. But then at the same time, they might have their own shortcuts and that's totally cool as well. But we've got a set if they want them. Definitely. And business owners, you know, like we're talking about the Adobe suite and Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign, but this applies to so many applications. You know, a lot of people don't like doing certain types of work and it's not because they don't know how to do it, but they have this fear of the mouse, you know, clicking around the screen, finding where things are, learn the most common shortcuts. Absolutely. Blows me away how many people still go file, edit, copy. Yeah, I know. You know, control or command C will do the same thing and it's so much quicker, you know. Yeah, or some people right-click, which is, you know, a little bit quicker than going to the the top navigation menu. But, yeah, just command C or control C for a PC. Yeah, so and there's heaps, heaps of those kind of shortcuts, you know. Exactly, yeah. Look, I think, too, with with, with the Adobe suite is get your workspace set up right and actually save it. Please save it because I've had times where I've had my workspace set up, Adobe's done an update and it goes back to the default workspaces and it's frustrating because then I've got to get all my palettes where I want them again and and set it up the way I like it. And sometimes it can crash and, yeah, then you'll be back to square one. So, yeah, we do that as well. It's really handy. What about default new new file uh, settings? Yeah, yeah, absolutely we do that, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, so do you set up some presets? Is that, yeah, is that... so one for web, one for, you know, if it's a business card or a, a flyer. We have a few that we use commonly. Yeah, but did you know that you can actually – I don't know about Illustrator and Photoshop, but I know that in InDesign you can actually set up 
things like the the page view, the color space, ah. the 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 bleed settings, the spreads as a default starting point. You can do some of that in Illustrator for sure. Yeah. So, for example, in InDesign, by default, spreads are turned on. Yeah. Right? Now, we do do multi-page booklet, but it's more common that we do single page. And it drives me insane when my designers set up a single page with spreads turned on. Right? Yeah. I, know, I know it's not that big a deal, but you just don't need spreads turned on in that application. So, you can actually – you set what you do is you do something like you set the file up and then uh, close it, and then the next time you open, it'll continue to, to do that. Hey, do you use one monitor or two? I actually I do both. <laughs> At my desk, I use two, but generally I work a lot on the laptops. So. Yeah, okay. I was going to say that, you know, to be productive, you need a big monitor or you need two, in my opinion. I think even with a big monitor, you need two. You think so? Yeah, because it's nice to have other things available on that second monitor. Mm-hmm. You know, and then just focus on what you're working on. It's just narrowing your focus on the main screen. Yeah, you can't just press Command Tab. <laughs> yeah, you could. Look, the, I'll tell <laughs> you the other thing too is with two monitors, how do you have them configured? Here's an interesting one. Well, I don't actually. I, I only have one, but I know a lot of design, especially developers that have two. But what yeah. about you? How do you configure them? Well, well, this is the thing. I used to have them side by side so that they had in, you know, my oh, perception yeah. they had the same value. Yep. Now I have a single monitor in front of me and I have my secondary monitor to the right okay. and slightly off on an angle. So I can rotate to use it, but my focus is on the main monitor. Uh-huh. Yep. So, excellent. Yeah, I was going to say, back to the Adobe suite, what else have you got? Because we, we've got a few for, for this. Yeah, excellent. So do you use any plugins for, for Illustrator or Photoshop, etc.? So there's one, obviously, in Photoshop you've got, you know, just standard tools like hue saturation and, and you know, levels and color balance, etc. But they don't do that in Illustrator, right? Look, in Illustrator, we have some plugins, and I think a lot of them are related to our packaging work, so developing, you know, die lines and things like that. Yeah, sure, sure. Good plugins used well are great, but I think I've also seen people load in really crappy plugins that just... You know, well, they, they break. Man, man, that's frustrating. When yeah, okay. you update, they break, and then you become reliant on that plugin. I'd prefer to build a good sh- series of shortcuts or actions that can continue to work. Yeah, well, we use Phantasm, and we've been using that for years, and that is absolutely gold, in my opinion. I can't design in Illustrator without it. What does um, it do? It does hue saturation, levels, invert, shift to color, duotone, desaturate, curves, brightness, contrast, all those type of things that you can do easily in Photoshop. So does the plugin connect to Photoshop to essentially no. do like an edit with? No, no, you do it all in Illustrator. Oh, that's cool. What was yeah. that called? Phantasm, P-H-A-N-T-A-S-M. Nice. That's yeah. a cool one. It's a really, really good one, man. Can't live without that. All right. Bridge. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Build a bridge and get over it. No, <laughs> bridge is, is an unbelievably underutilised tool. The reason I said what's that is because most of my designers don't use it. Oh, really? Seriously. When I pushed my designers to use it, I think about 30% were using it. Right. Right. You've got to talk and, about all the benefits, Al. So, yeah. Because well, they'll look, be I mean, listening to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, look, okay, Adobe Bridge, right, firstly, it comes bundled with Photoshop traditionally. Right, but it actually works across the entire suite, right? And I think a lot of people have dropped Bridge into this, you know, photo viewing, photo editing software. 
But the reality is, it's a fabulous tool because it actually allows you to view and preview any type of design file, whether it's an EPS, an Illustrator file, a Photoshop file, an InDesign file, and it allows you to bring those elements, drop and drag those elements directly from a visual viewer into any of your apps. So you can drag them into Photoshop, you can drag them into Illustrator, you can drag them into InDesign, and there's also Mini Bridge. So there's you launch a bridge in the background, and you can actually have a bridge window within Illustrator and InDesign. Yep. So it's a brilliant tool. It allows you to add keywords to your files. So it makes it a lot easier to search. You can rate your files, you know, one star, two star, five star. If you've got a bunch of files that you're working with, you can just toggle between the ratings. So you can just jump straight to those, to those files that you're looking for. Yeah. It's just an awesome visual interface that it just is. works well across all the Adobe suite. Oh, it's amazing. And, you know, one thing it won't preview, and I don't blame it, are Windows Word files and things like that. <laughs> Doesn't it? Funny. No, no, it just shows it. But then generally icon. you're not dragging a Word doc into nah, your it doesn't matter. Illustrated no. file anyway. No, it's just an you? observation. But another couple of tips for Bridge, which I find invaluable, is batch renaming. Yes. Um, so if you just right select a few files, right click and go batch rename and uh, it's gold. You can just name everything in a series of numbers or, you know, whatever you want basically. Which is which is actually pretty good for SEO as well. If you're using them in a, the images in a web application, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, you don't want to be using DSC underscore one two three four. That's right. Yeah, so you can put whatever you need as far as SEO in a whole batch of files before you upload them to the site, and you can also um, get you know all the metadata information, add metadata information from Bridge really easily as well, which is yeah. where we add that info. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. Look, so it's got good batch editing abilities. So you can batch resize, batch rename. You can tie it into Photoshop actions. You can drop and drag into any application. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, Stop using your browser windows, not one, like your, your, your finder windows or your, your Exactly, and it remembers windows. it caches. So, you know, it doesn't have to load the preview image again when you go into the folder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but another thing, you you know, sometimes you get people to send you JPEGs and it might be a photo on their phone or whatever and it's rotated 90 degrees or 180 even. Yeah. Um, so with Bridge, you just press Command and then the uh, bracket or Shift, sorry, Command and the bracket keys next to the P and it'll rotate at 90 degrees clockwise or anti-clockwise. A really quick, easy way to rotate images. Definitely. And it'll, and it'll save them that way for every other application as well. Yeah, yeah. So look, designers, start using Bridge if you're not using Bridge. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Cool. What else? Look, I've just got a, a little thing about InDesign. Uh, well, I guess InDesign and Illustrator. Yeah, Illustrator does styles. That's what you're styles. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know my little gripe with this. Oh, it's gold if you if you use it. Look, it's the same theory that I use. Do more work in the front end. It is going to save you time in the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, use swatches, use styles, right? Because then if your client, for example, I'll give you a great example. We have a client who has just changed their corporate branding and their body copy has changed mm-hmm. across the board. So we now literally have hundreds of files that need to progressively be updated over the coming months, right? right? And I'm already discovering designers who didn't use styles. So we now have to go and find the text box that has the body copy in it, highlight the body copy, and change it, 
right? Yeah, and if there's painful. five text boxes, it's going to be a pain in the butt. Mm. And if we miss something, the client's going to get upset. Whereas if they had a body copy style, we could simply go and edit the style and it would edit it across the board. And we might have to make some adjustments because obviously it might impact on the typesetting, but we didn't have to go and highlight each bit individually. Yeah, yeah. And the way we use styles for website design is we can set our H1s, H2s, paragraph fonts, all those sort of things, and then we can literally just apply a style to each one of the fonts on the web pages we're designing. Yeah. And look, you know, um, character styles I see people using, right? But things like object styles, I find it frustrating when, you know, there might have been a stroke applied to an object or a drop shadow or something like that, Mm -hmm. and... I pick it up, the drop shadow is slightly different direction on a couple of different images. Well, if you use an object style, it's click, add style, and then if the customer comes back and goes, oh, I don't really like the drop shadow going to the left, you can just amend the whole style and fix the whole design, you know? Yeah, great tips. Awesome, Al. Well, geez, we've been going a bit on these on these tips. Do you have any more? I reckon I could probably go on for hours yeah, as far as the Adobe Suite, but, but we have not, to. <laughs> let's not. Let's let's um, talk about it uh, in in applications later on. But I think just those were probably the ones that you and I identified as our uh, winning tips. Look, I guess the only other thing with Adobe is check out their mobile apps. Oh man, they are they are they seem to be constantly trying to get this right. I've seen some pretty crappy things but you know their mobile apps i've got one now for illustrator where you can literally take a photo of a hand-drawn sketch or line drawing and it will produce a pretty good vector of it Wow! which just it look it's not the be all and end all but it's a great starting point you know instead of having to particularly if it's a complex drawing or something your client has sent that needs modifications start with that you know and then modify your vector line art from there Okay, yeah, cool. So, what, like Live Trace? Yes, but oh. done from your iPhone. Yeah, man, that's cool. Very cool. And, you know, Adobe Photoshop on the iPhone is actually pretty good, you know. So, ke- check out those mobile apps. I think the future of those mobile apps is that they will do unique things that you can't easily do on your desktop that integrates with your camera mm-hmm. or integrates with touch interfaces. Sure. So there's definitely something to keep your eye on. Do you have anything else you want to add to this little batch? No, man. I think, um, I think yeah, we've certainly hit the, the main ones that we wanted to discuss. I guess last episode was more about, you know, helping everybody, including business owners. And even though this episode has helped business owners, I'm hoping, um, it was more digging deep into the shortcuts, et cetera, for design apps. Yeah, look, you know what? Go, one of the things we talked about last week was lynda.com training, L-Y-N-D-A.com. When we talk about this, we're not affiliates for these programs. They do have affiliate programs. We don't get commission. We just think these are powerful tools, you know. So business owners, if you're using Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, uh, Google App Suite, whatever, on a regular basis, go to Lynda and do the 40-minute training on that app, the current training, right? There's everything from beginner stuff and they will go through things like shortcuts and how to customize shortcuts and what the best shortcuts are, how to get rid of the ones that nobody uses and, and add in ones that are awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. So spend a little bit of time, learn the application. It is going to save you hours and hours and hours in the long term. So is that your killer tip? I reckon. Oh, I like it. <laughs> get to know your app, get to know the best way to use it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I would say as well, just try and learn shortcuts, no matter what app it is, whether it's design-related or not. I think that's my one thing that if you can take from this, take that, 
create shortcuts or encourage your staff to create shortcuts? Shortcuts, keyboard shortcuts, any type of automation. Yeah. Definitely. Great. Greg, I'm glad we got to wrap up that episode from last week. I felt like we'd left everyone hanging because we did have a few there that we didn't, that we think are important that we didn't get in. Uh, Mate, it was great to be here. Thank you, listener, for joining us. We'll catch you next time on the, on the Real Magic podcast. Great. Absolutely. See you next time, brother. Thanks, mate. See you, listener. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Magic podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.